Hey, welcome back to the SBP podcast, Mobile Filmmaking. I'm your host, Susie Botello, and you are listening to episode 131. Hey, everyone. I am here with uh, Ryan and Brandy McDonald. They are in Ogden in Utah. They were in San Diego last April for our film festival. And uh, I am really happy to uh, touch bases with you guys and share your stories with our listeners. Hi, guys. Hi. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having us. We're excited to be here. Yeah, it's uh, it's Sunday night. And, uh, you know, what else are we going to do, right? Uh, Other than uh, record a new episode for the SBP podcast. (laughs) Yay. Yay. Um, So... I wanted to um, thank you both officially in front of the whole world uh, for making the trip out to San Diego. I know San Diego's weather was freezing. It was like snow blizzards. The food was horrible. What was your experience like? (laughs) None of those things. Yeah, it wasn't freezing at all, I don't think. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Uh, I was exaggerating a little bit. It was a little bit of a vacation, right? (laughs) Yeah, that's how we treated it. Yeah, we certainly treated it like a vacation out here in Utah. We get a little bit of all four seasons. So experiencing, you know, the beach and the palm trees and just the people and the culture, it was certainly different and wonderful experience. So, yeah, you guys came and you presented um, a workshop a presentation on mobile filmmaking with with the iPhone. Mm-hmm. Uh but we met uh, before, um, not in person, so it was really exciting to meet in person. But the uh, we met because um, basically uh, you guys submitted a feature film which you shot with an iPhone uh, back in 2020 for the International Mobile Film Festival here in San Diego. And, uh, of course, you planned to come out, and uh, I'm telling your story for you. Uh, but then COVID happened. And so we had to do it online. It was really disappointed, uh, disappointing for both of us, actually. Um, but we, we figured out a way of uh, getting you into our film festival. It took a couple years. Um, so just briefly, what was your experience like uh, meeting the, the, the other filmmakers and just your overall experience? Um, yeah, I mean, it was great. We, it was, uh, I guess it was kind of, as far as the the story of Married and Loving It, our story of making it, for me, it was kind of like bookending that entire story because, um, because we we never actually made it to a festival live, um, as our entire festival circuit was done through the pandemic, and so for me to then the festival that we debuted at was the International Mobile Film Festival, and then to kind of like close the book on it was then getting there you know now two years later but being there to you know show everybody a little bit of the trailer then chat about how we um made the movie overall and so it was kind of it was nice to finally get that face-to-face time and a lot of the filmmakers that we met while we were there and we networked with we're still in contact with today um and that's a huge part of filmmaking obviously is is having that networking um and so yeah so it was really good to to, to have that face-to-face and, and be able to finally make that network connection with so many people that we had even seen their films in previous years when it played with ours but then they were there at the festival and we were able to meet them face to face yeah i have to agree yeah it was i was was gonna ask you (laughs) no it was it was a great experience and kind of like um what ryan had said just um really just a debut for us even though there was a delay through covid we had to wait a couple years it, it finally felt like we were debuting our film for the first time even though we didn't screen it when we came out for the festival this year and then we did our workshop, but it was just, it was just a great experience and networking with, um, other filmmakers, uh, of our level, um, was great. We built some great relationships with great filmmakers. Um, like Ryan said, we're still connecting with these people today. Um, hopefully forever. Was, you know, it was really neat also that, that Levi finally did, get to make it out Levi Austin Morris who actually uh, uh, Ryan you met uh, during that uh, zoom panel 
that we did um, because it was after that panel that he decided, you know what? (laughs) I mean, I I like to twist people's arm, make a feature, make a feature. Um, And he decided to to go ahead and make one uh, with the iPhone. But it was really nice that he came out because not only did you guys meet there, but um, he he was uh, a part of that film festival as well, you mm-hmm. know, with his short film. So I, I just love the, the sense of the community uh, with the mobile filmmaking um, and uh, and to know that you all, you know, connected and made friends um, this is really great, especially when you're connected through social media because you help amplify your future projects together from different places, you know, around with different uh, different audiences, you know, and, and different people following you on different uh, platforms, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, completely. Yeah, it's just been nothing but ongoing support, too, from one another. So it's just everyone's just so kind and gracious and they're excited to hear about your project and, and get to know you. So that's, that was overall just a great experience. Hey, one last question about the festival itself. Did you guys enjoy that red carpet uh, extravaganza that we put on for you? Oh, yeah. oh it, was, it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like we loved the whole star Wars kind of <laughs> setup. It was, it was nice. It was, it was amazing. So thank you for, yeah, rolling that out for us and celebrating all the filmmakers that were there. and That was wonderful. So uh, let's talk about your film a little bit because, um, you know, some of our listeners are new <laughs> from two years ago. Um, tell us a little bit about, about that, if you can. Um, Ryan, you made that film. It was all shot in one house. The, the screenplay, right, the story itself took place within several houses, technically speaking, uh, with different couples. Uh, so give us a little synopsis about the, about the film and then how you managed to pull this off in such a great way. Because it is, it is on, how long has it been on Amazon Prime? Wow, um, probably about almost two years now at this point. It's coming up to about a year and a half. Yeah, incredible. So, uh, it's been a, it's been um, on Amazon Prime. It is available to rent. I think it's a dollar ninety nine uh, yeah. for the rental. Yeah. So, Married and Loving It is a film that um, the idea at the time was people were saying, "Well, well, every writer I think has heard the additive, write what you know." And um, for me, what I knew at the time was this previous marriage that I had for ten years, and I was in it when I was writing the the screenplay. Um, and some of the things changed actually when the, when that marriage ended, but, um, it was kind of like the, the idea was, you know, the day to day life of this very toxic kind of relationship and how things are high and low. Um, and also with the intention of knowing that I was going to make a movie with, you know, zero budget, um, was so keeping it in one location was part of that, keeping it where it was just two characters is a part of that as well. So that way, um, you know, don't write a, don't write it like a bus explosion. If you don't have the money to have to do the bus explosion or the car crash. And so that was also part of that idea. Um, so the, the movie set inside of one house, it is a married couple and it's kind of setting on the eve of their 10 year anniversary and, um, you know, the highs and lows of what can happen in a day to day. And then as, as the production, as we were kind of going through the pre-production aspect, the idea came, well, what if we had different actors for each scene? And so it can be interpreted. Originally when I wrote it, it was meant to be the same couple. Um, but it is also interpreted then. Is it, is it many couples? Is it all of us? How does that, how does that work? Um, and really it was kind of a way of breaking it up. What I was afraid of was having kind of just a talking heads film and, I was trying to find a way to make it interesting overall. That so, really worked. Uh, I had no idea that, that I, I mean, maybe you said it before and I missed it or I forgot, but I did not know that it was all just one couple originally and you decided to split that because I think it worked a lot better, definitely the way you made it, the way it ended up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, um, it was, it's, I guess also the worry was because knowing that we you, were shooting again on zero budget and I have, 
And um, I've had situations before in the past where you you have an actor who's lined up to do the job, and let's say they have like a beard or they have long hair or something like that, and then you start shooting, and they at some point shave their beard or they change some kind of a, a appearance of themselves that it's like well, you weren't thinking about the production in a sense, and I needed you to have that for you know the next eight months, um, and. So having that worry, I was my uh, best friend and also a producer on the film, Jason White, him and I were chatting about that. And he says, and then he had said, well, why don't you do what Luis Bunuel had done for um, Obscure Objects of My Desire, which is where you have an actor, you have one character, but played by multiple actors. And then that way you could just film the pieces separately with different actors. And... Mm -hmm. And as soon as he said that, it just hit like it was like it was like exactly that's exactly like the creative change that I needed for this not to feel monotonous about just the two actors like screaming at each other the whole movie. And um, also because act- actors, you know, over that length of time, hope to get other parts in in other movies and projects, and you know that might mm-hmm. not the the beard may not fit right for them at the time or whatever. Yeah, and we act, we and we did have that. We had moments where, because um, it, it's a narrative piece that only I know because I wrote it. But like, there's there's a section of it where it's like the characters like shaving, or mm-hmm. um, and so <laughs> there was moments where the actors get on set and they're like, "Hey, I have a commercial that I'm actually shooting next week, but they want me to have a goatee." And then I had another actor where we had a um, we had kind of a family emergency on one weekend and it was we um cancel our shooting day but then the only available weekend was like two months later and the problem was is that the actor that we had um had to have his beard because he was in a play that was going to be happening and needed to keep it and so then i was like okay well i have to know today if i'm shooting you with a beard or not because when i when we pick this up in two months um when we're all available again we have to keep that aesthetic in some way. So we did have that problem. <laughs> but the beautiful part was, uh, just to add to that, um, the beautiful part of that was, it's like, okay, we ha- have this actor for this one scene. If we can um, narrow down their, their shooting time in just a couple days or a couple weeks, like that worked out great. So instead of having two actors over the course of X amount of months, it was nice to just break them up with different actors. So... Wow. I, you know, I just can't imagine, you know, taking, um, uh, the features that I've, that I've worked on, uh, were actually the two features I worked on were, um, three weeks. There were three week projects, you know, um, and, and then we also, you know, took weekends off, you know, um, that's really interesting. So why, why did you extend it for an entire eight months like what made that happen I think a lot of it was just our because our personal lives too we have you know we share kids with um, you know other people so I think that adds to the schedule too so shooting like every other weekend or once a month so we had to look at our own personal schedules too like how does this um, you know affect our personal lives and so we had to work around that as well I mean ultimately we 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 only had eight shooting days but um it w- we what well, we started in July of 2018 and then the bulk of everything was shot by August it was the final scene in the film um that because again we had we had a delay of family emergency we had to cancel on a weekend and then it was kind of like we then it was like trying to get everybody back together again and so then so then nobody else was available till like November for whichever reasons uh, um, and it's, it's also the final scene when kind of having, if you see the movie where now every couple, all the different actors are coming together. And so now I have more than just two actors on set for the day. I've got five or six people playing the husband or the wife. Um, and so, but the other part of it, when you're shooting independent and on the no budget zone that we are, you, I've, I've, I've had production schedules before where we're shooting um, Friday night, Saturday, all Saturday and all Sunday. And then everybody goes back to their day to their day jobs on Monday. And then you do that for 14 weeks. And I've, I've done that before. But I really want it to be where I don't want us to get burned out. 
And so my objective was, is like, I want to shoot this where it's like, we start at eight, we're done by five. We have our Saturday night. I don't want to see you guys on Sunday and we'll come back later. Like I really want it to be where I wanted to keep the fun. And even if that, that we, you know, I did everything I could to, to shoot what I could in that time period. Um, but I, I just didn't want this to be this grueling 14, 15 hour days and it takes up everybody's weekend. And then I just don't want to over exhaust people who, um, are doing this because they're my friends and not for any other reason than that. <laughs> not so. that you were, you would whip other people into, <laughs> yeah. into doing it, but yeah, that makes sense. And I remember that we, we did discuss this in, um, in the previous episode. It was just so long ago. Um, I want to ask you something about your screenplay because now that took a while for you to, to complete, right? Um, yeah, let's see. I started, so started writing this screenplay originally in 2015 and I had this, um, idea that I was, I had this goal in mind that was going to be done in, in a month. Um, and then I was, I had basically the first draft done by the end of 2015 and then uh, as I already mentioned, it kind of led into that relationship was coming to a close. So things kind of other things took priority at the time. Um, and it got set aside and it was around, it was the fall of 2017. Um, my producing partner, Jason White had said, Hey, you know, this coming year, like this is, we're going to make your feature. Like this is going to happen this coming year. Um, so he's a big push on that. I went through a drastic rewrite. I mean, not, not too much was great, not too crazy of a change, but it was much more, it was, the initial intention was just to make a drama film. And then, um, I think by then, uh, you know, I have this whole new relationship with Brandy and she has a sense of humor to her that allows me to also like enjoy my own humor. And that's where a lot of the darker comedy came into play. Um, that, uh, you know, it's not, obviously it's not slapstick film or anything like that, but then we're also as a culture, we're going through the me too movement stuff. And so that kind of, that made its way into the, into the screenplay as well. Um, but I was, I was able to walk away with kind of this darkly, I think it's very funny, but it's almost in the same way that Quentin Tarantino has said that he thinks his films are comedies as well. And so I find that about my own film. It's it's kind of like sarcasm, (laughs) right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I like sarcasm, um, a lot in, in films actually. Uh, even in real life a little bit. Um, and so, yeah, that that's actually now I, I do want to talk about the other side of, you know, what goes between the screenplay, you know, uh, that once you write the screenplay and you have that taken care of, you got a great story and now you got to figure out how to put that together into a production. Right. Um, and so that brings me now, obviously, this is all done in one location but there are different rooms in the house that you were filming in so that meant that you had to you know shoot different scenes in in different places and you know scene two and scene three and scene 16 you know those were shot in this one bedroom and scene five and scene seven were shot in the kitchen you know so how how do you organize that into what we call the shot list and how important is that for I I think it's important for listeners to know this even even with a short film it just depends on how many locations you're going to use um and the different settings and the times you know like day for night night for day why it's better to just shoot them all in the day uh and then all at night in different you know different scenes if you can Mm -hmm. um Really, it's, it's so as much preparation as you can have before the shooting day is mm-hmm. going to be the best. And I've been on set with with uh, feature films where I was the first AD, and the, the films are now on Netflix and, and such. So they they went on to have their own success. But there were times where we would show up and and um, there's no shot list. And what you have then is you have not only the director going like, well, maybe we can do this. And the DP says, well, maybe we can do that. And then you have someone else going, well, maybe we could do this. And you spend a lot of time like doing all of that. And then especially if you have lights you need to set up, depending on, on this particular feature, we weren't, uh, um, we weren't using an iPhone. 
So the camera is heavier and, you know, where's the dolly track going to be laid? And it just, it just eats up all this creative time you have and you're working against the clock, um, every day because Oliver Stone, his, his, um, autobiography is called chasing the light. And what he means by that is like, you're chasing that like sunset moment at the end where you, you can no longer shoot because the sun is gone. Right. And so, um, so I, so I always try to show up with a shot list available with an idea. Even, you know, I, I do a bird's eye view of, um, on paper where the, where the actors are going to be, where the camera is going to be, what is the camera going to move, things like that. Um, and then also we have, you know, it listed out in a type version, shot one, shot two, uh, what that's going to be. Um, because you have to translate this to someone else as well. As far as your DP, you have to translate this back to the actors because you need them. You want them to cue at certain moments to move, so that they move with the camera at the same time. And so, um, as much preparation as you can have, because anybody who's shot a film knows that it's basically just uh, it's a war zone, and anything can happen at any moment. And so, the more preparation you can have, then you can work around the issues that are now coming up. Be it the battery's dying, the camera's overheating. The the in our case we had situations where the neighbors were mowing the lawn on that day and that sound, just that odd like lawnmower sound, or the diesel truck down the street just 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 uh fired up. Um and so you you're constantly kind of battling these other things. And if you have everything prepared ahead of time, then you can kind of juke left or juke right. Or it's like Scorsese would say about Scorsese or De Niro would say about their um, you know, what seems like improvisation and ad lib is actually well rehearsed to a point where they've kind of the, now the, 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 um, through the rehearsal, they found the ad lib moments and then added it to the screenplay and it just sounds natural. Mm-hmm. And so, um, it just shaves time. There was, there was a day where we were massively behind, um, shooting because of the shot setup. And I had to, I, I pulled the script aside knowing what time I told everybody that we were going to end. I was like, we're ending at five or six today. So I looked at like what shots I had, how many pages actually I looked at how many pages I had. And I wrote down the time that we need to be done with that page. I wrote it down. We got to be done with this page by two, the next page by three, the next page. I was like, this is what we're going to do. And I, sh- and I cut out shots and, and figure out something else. But I can only do that because I've already laid a blueprint for myself anyways. And if yeah, I, and oh, also I, because you wrote it. Yeah. So that, that also helps because you know that story inside and out. Yeah. But it's like, how do I want to, you know, where do camera, you know, cinema is, is about motion altogether. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of moments that I wish in, you know, thinking back on my own movie, I wish I would have moved the camera more. Um, there's a, moment, a lot of moments where I did move the camera and I'm like, okay, that's exactly what I should have been doing mostly uh, in different times. But you, so you have to have that shot list. You have, as a director, um, if you're the person directing this, if you have to see this thing visually all the way through, and if you have that vision in your mind, that has to go on paper just the same way that when you wrote the script, if you're the writer as well, it has to go on paper because you have to translate this to other people and have a, like an, a battle plan for what you're doing for the day. Uh, and you had a lot of experience as an AD because one of the jobs for the AD is the shot list. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and up until the point where I made my feature, I mean, I've been, I've been making short films for 15 years. I have, I mean, I also went through film school. So there's, just, so there's a lot in there, but, um, I certainly have, I, have I shot a day without a shot list? Sure. But I mean, you, you gotta be real it is, it comes through something that you've experienced, but is it frustrating though? Let's say, um, somebody comes, some, somebody who's brand new at filmmaking comes to me, asks me if I'm going to, if I will help them out for the day. And I, if I show up and they don't have a shot list, it's very discouraging. And I can only imagine if it's discouraging for me, it is for everybody else who's like giving up their time for the day. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. in our world, of micro budget, no budget filmmaking, we're not getting a day rate pay. We're not doing this for the money. We're doing this for the love. But at the same time, we have to be respectful of each other's time because we all have like, we've, in order to be there that day, we've left other time commitments. We may have left families at home, loved ones, things like that. 
order to shoot for the day. And if you're going to steal someone's time like that, then you better have, you better be prepared. Um, is my continuity is really important. And you know, that also helps as well because if you man continuity, not having that right, it could really just blow the whole thing. And it, it's such an investment to make a feature film, you know, for everybody involved. Um, that you just you really don't want to do it and you have these tools that you can use like the shot list you know the screenplay for one the shot list um getting a script supervisor i always say is important i used to do that job (laughs) um but um one of the things um you know the cinematographer um part uh they're really involved in the look and the feel of everything and you know making sure everything comes out right it gets recorded you know all that stuff and the director i mean you're you're the you're the one with the vision you know and and you're working with the characters a lot the the actors and so you have these different people doing different things and they all play a part and this is leading to something by the way uh my next question for you guys uh together maybe we can start um with brandy um, you know, and this is, um, my next question is about team, uh, building a a team that you can work with and that works well together. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so when I first met Ryan, um, I actually was interested in connecting with, uh, filmmakers around the area. I don't want anybody, um, at the time. And so when I met Ryan, he already kind of was a part of this awesome like local group. Um, they met often, I think weekly, they would have weekly meetings and they would all kind of workshop each other's projects and supported each other on, on each other's projects. They all just showed up for one another. Um, and so I kind of jumped into that. It was attractive to me and I thought, wow, that's, that's a team supporting one another. And I hadn't had that before or hadn't had that experience quite yet. So, um, yeah. So even today after, you know, 10 years, they still kind of show up for each other and support one another. Um, you know, whether someone's directing their own short film and someone else wrote it and they were a cinematographer on one set and now they're directing on your project. So it's nice. They all kind of shift and wear different hats for different, for everybody's project. So it kind of shifts, but it's, it's been nice to be part of a community like that. So if you can find a, a networking, um, team uh, of independent filmmakers in your area. Like I, I really support that. I encourage it, um, especially if you don't know anybody. So um, even being now married to Ryan, like it's just nice having somebody next to you who supports you and is right there to help. So I don't know if you have anything to add, Ryan. Well, um, <clears throat> I think to add to Brandy's story at the time, she wasn't on social media and so, um, yes, and that's, that's that was a, that was a piece of how <laughs> when when I developed. So my background, I, I went to film school at the University of Central Florida, which was in is in Orlando, Florida. Um, but I'm originally from Ogden, Utah. I after completing film school, I, I moved back to Ogden and met up with again my best friend Jason White, um, and we started you know putting films together. But one of my biggest things is is, is like something that I've seen before where, you know, we're, there's two kind of mindsets with an independent filmmaker at at our level. It's like, you're trying to, some people are trying to make these like star Wars films and they're like competing against like Lucasfilm in some kind of way. And it's like, well, you're not gonna have the budget for that. So probably don't go that route. But then the other thing is, is like people start competing with her, with them, with each other. And it's really odd because it's like, we really, if, if we're fighting each other, we're not gonna be able to get there together. Um, This is independent filmmaking like other things, you could make an example for this, but um, independent filmmaking at our level is it's kind of like the 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 high tide raises all boats um, thing. So it's like we if we if I if I help on your production and you help on my production, like you know, then we 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 really help each other. Like I I'm not sh- sure which one of us is going to finally land the foot in the door, but when you do, then because we've helped each other, we'll we can get there together. Um, yeah. And the other, the other part of networking is that, you know, it's like, 
the branches on the tree, right? Because they, they, you know, each one that you connect with and you work well with knows people that you don't know that they can also bring in, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's. Um, now this is like 2011, but as soon as Jason White and I started um, actively trying to find these like other film people in the area, it it easily bled into like who knows who. And then I've met so many different people with different talents along the way um, that become involved in the process. And a large part of my team and group is uh, who are now like family and friends to me. You, in, if you watch my movie, you see their names on the credits. That's, that's my team. That's my family. But I met a, most of them all through that networking process of filmmaking. The, the person who I, I, the two people I was, I met Jason in high school, I met Brandy because we were, we worked together and she just happened to be into films as well. So mm-hmm. um, everybody else was through networking and filmmaking and that's how the team developed. And I've, and I've, um, I've been, uh, just simply production assistant at times I've on their stuff. I've been producers on their stuff and they've, I came through for them and, um, at times and they, I was very um, fortunate to have it where they came through for me. Yeah. I mean, that's just, that's, it's so important. I I think it gets overlooked, uh, a lot of times is that, um, um, I want to ask you about what you guys talked about because, um, and when I say what you guys talked about, I'm actually referring to in our film festival in San Diego, you guys came and you presented a, mobile filmmaking, uh, with iPhone, uh, presentation and workshop. Um, can you go over some of the, the, you know, since you already presented it, you know, the things that, uh, the attendees and the other filmmakers, um, really dwelled on, cause that would give us, um, our listeners, uh, some tips and some pointers. I remember that you guys went through a lot of things, but there were a few things that people were, you know, when we were doing the Q&A, they were really like, you know, emphasizing, like it was really interesting for them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, unfortunately, I don't have what their takeaway notes were. Um, I, I think it's, it probably is just, a, I'm going to like my own perspective on some of these things. And um, one of which is, the things that one of the things I always hit on heavily is um, the concept. There's a question sometimes like, are there rules in cinema? You know, when you're making like people talk about the rules of filmmaking and even if it's down to like the 180 degree rule um, or you mentioned continuity a second ago. And I feel like sometimes like the rule I, to me, the answer is no, there are no rules. Like we, sh- this is our, this art form, um, just because there's been blockbuster templates put together, we should still be able to mold this in any way that we see fit. And by example of my feature film where I have multiple actors, what I interpret as playing the same characters, um, to me, and then there's moments even when in my own film where like the camera's showing an actor playing a husband and then I pan to something else and come back and it's a whole nother actor. Uh, it's not conventional. And I just think that like, it's okay to break these rules. And if you watch any large frontier film uh, or Cronenberg or anything, like you'll see that like, they're not concerned about the quote, I do air quotes in the air, like rules of cinema. So, you know, really we should be able to play with it. This is a playground and we should be able to utilize every piece of it that we can. Um, we just simply have, we've developed a language of film in cinema but, um, you know, if it, I've seen films, William, William Friedkin films where like the main character dies at the very end in unconventional ways that would, and you're kind of shocked. Um, I, I was just reading an article recently where people were so horrified by the star Wars Rogue one by its ending. And I'm like, yeah, was, but it's the one movie that has that kind of crazy ending to it, um, in that series. And so I would say like, if, if you're developing something, you're developing a story, if you're too, if you're concerning yourselves with what the rules are, you're you're not focusing on the right thing. You need to step back and go like, I don't have to explain this all the way. I can actually 
make it very different um, than what I've seen. You know, obviously be inspired by other movies, but you know, think about how you can twist that just a little bit differently. And if you look at really, and even Steven Soderbergh's films, the way he shoots a, a scene, he doesn't. You know, he'll he'll take what used to be just shot reverse shot, and he'll find a way to shoot it just drastically different than what we've seen before in the past, but not in a way that that makes this this obscured, but just in a very subtle way that we don't realize that he's doing it very differently. Um, it's like innovating. It's like yeah. innovation, right? You're taking the things and the concepts that are there and you're making them, you're improving on them, but you're doing it in a way that's unique mm-hmm. because if all the films are the same and they all follow the same template, right? Then it kind of gets, you know, who's going to watch the next one? Yeah. Well, and, you know, in the very early days of, of cinema in back, you know, 1890s and leading into the 1910 and stuff like that, you know, an innovative style would have been panning to the left, like just simply making the camera go from left to right or, you know, parallel action where you have, um, you know, you have a train robbery going on at the same time. You have the police gathering their guns and going after it happening at the same time. And that type of that type of style and editing was like was groundbreaking and it's what we see now day to day but we shouldn't stop innovating in this format and when you're shooting with no budget <laughs> nobody's there to stop you like it's it's kind of like it you know if if you if you idolize the the, the, the francis ford coppola and the steven spielbergs back in the day when in back in that in their era of jumping right in at right after the um bonnie and clyde film would come out and so now they're, you know, Coppola is often wherever shooting this epically long movie, Apocalypse Now, like nobody's stopping him. And <laughs> we hear today about like, oh, Warner Brothers just, you know, they just shelved the Batgirl film. Warner Brothers got in the way of the Justice League film. We hear all these times where this, the suits, as we call them, are, you know, dictating what is being seen and things like that. Well, when you're shooting at our level, nobody's here to stop you. So... Yeah. So at this point, like, you know, create the next camera move, create the next, the next piece. That's Especially going to- with an iPhone <laughs> or a Samsung or whatever, in any smartphone, you have the capability of literally reinventing cinema, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think just when, when you're at a low budget or no budget at all, um, you're forced to be more creative. You know, it's like, how can I, um, you know, make this more entertaining. So like Ryan mentioned earlier, we, we bring in more actors to do these parts instead of camera style, instead of doing shot reverse shot, what else can we do? Um, you know, Ryan, I, I think I missed that one shitty day, but, um, the, the scene where we're throwing dirt on top of a, uh-huh. what was that? Like a plexiglass. Well, it was your idea. There's yeah. there oh, yeah. one character bearing the other, but it was like, granted said like, you know, do the shot where it's the camera's looking up from the grave. And we're throwing dirt right on top of plexiglass. Right. From that, from that victim's point of view. So, you know, it's just being creative and, and working with what you have. And I think that's what makes independent, low budget filmmaking visually wonderful to see, honestly. What were some of the other things that you touched on during the workshop? Um, There was what I, I finished it also with, um, you know, making, making your story film like kind of concise. Um, so when, uh, you know, I think probably everybody's at some point has read a feature film screenplay that there was a lot of fat that needed to be trimmed. Um, you've probably, there's probably many times where somebody has some, somebody has told you a, a feature film idea, or even as a filmmaker, you have a feature film idea and you start to go through it and it's really like, well, you have a short film or how, how many times have I heard where there's someone has a short film and as they're telling me the short film, I'm like, you're not gonna be able to squeeze this in 20 minutes. This is a feature film. And so, was, so, um, the exercise that had been, I'd previously done, um, through film school was, you know, if you can, you, so we were forced to write screenplays. They could only be three pages. Um, it couldn't be four. It couldn't be three and a half. It had to be three. And then you had a, um, you had to write a, a screenplay for six pages and it couldn't be seven and it also could be five. It had to be six. And so you find a way to tell that story. Um, and so there's a, there's a, there's a book out there about with short 
short stories that are written in 55 words. And it can't be 54 and it can't be 56. It's in 55 words. And the idea was that if you can train yourself to write a story in that, uh, with that parameter set on there, then your ability to tell the story, to, to tell stories becomes sharper and more effective and accurate because you are, you're basically constraining yourself. So what I did at the end of the workshop is I, I told everybody, I promised everybody I'll write a 55 word short story. Um, but I also challenged them to write a 55 word short story as well and, and make it public. So we posted it on our Instagram and people uh, shared theirs on their Facebook as well. And, um, I think it's a, I think it's a great exercise. I think if, if you're, if you can, if you can, you know, um, if you're, if you're hearing this, take take the next week and try to put just three of them together, three 55 word short stories together. It doesn't include the title. You can have the title be as almost as long as you want, but 55 word short stories. And if you can master that, the concept is, is that like when you write 110 pages, you are, you can do this concisely and, and the characters will say exactly what they need to say and not a ton of fluff. That's the concept. That is that. Yes, I for, I almost forgot about that. I know you gave them homework, but I forgot what exactly it was. Gosh, mm-hmm. so much has happened since April. I mean, we're only like five months <laughs> from there, but it seems like it's a year. Um, that's a great exercise. You know, in uh, in the films that I worked on, they were all short films for the most part. Uh, and we volunteered our weekends to work on these films. And one of the cool things about it was that uh, the selection of film festivals that 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 uh, our producers and and the director was choosing, she was very selective, you know, on which film festival she was submitting it to, and they all had different time limits, you know, for their shorts and their categories. And um, I remember, you know. Uh, we got to make a 10-minute short and a 15-minute short and then a 20-minute short just to qualify for these different film festivals. Um, and that came in handy, you know, in our film festival because, you know, we had a time limit. Um, but there was a time uh, in 2019, John Woosley is his name. He made a, uh, a film. It was, you know, it was a, a like... I think it was like 20 something minutes. I could be wrong, but whatever it was, um, he didn't make it for, you know, he couldn't submit it to our film festival because it didn't fit either feature or, or the shorts. And I said, well, I'll tell you what, I think he came out from Missouri, actually. I said, if you present a workshop, um, I will give you this time to, to do the workshop. But that means that you can only show your film if it's no longer than 15 minutes. And I knew I was devastating him because I could tell this was his baby story, you know what I mean, in his film. Uh-huh. But I also knew uh, that he could cut it short, that it, that it, it actually would be better. But I wasn't going to tell him that. I just gave him that choice. Uh-huh. And so he went ahead and he did that, guys. He, he shortened that film to 15 minutes. And he loved it. He, he showed it to, to people and it worked better. And um, he actually won uh, another film festival because of it, you know, because of that. So he thanked me for, you know, sort of forcing his hand at cutting it shorter. And sometimes that happens because you're shooting, you wrote it, you shot it, you directed it, and now you're the editor, right? It's all in yeah. one hand. And you can... Yeah, you can fall in love with so many aspects of it, but for um, for the quality of the story itself in in a film, it's very hard to pull out and see that from a different perspective, which is the combination between, you know, a, a producer right and the the viewer right. Oh yeah, yeah. I think I think. Um... Yeah, we've had to do it a couple times. <laughs> so, so we did. Uh, so Brandy's short film, which also played at the International Mobile Film Festival, um, is called <laughs> Fight on Set. 
I was yeah. thinking of Married and Loving and, It. <laughs> um, and uh, it was in the 2021 festival circuit. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, but we, she also had another festival that um, it was women focused, I believe. It was, and, yeah, it was like a women and wine film festival and it had to be an exact three minutes. It was like three minutes, not 301, not 302. It was like three minutes and it was already a short film. So I remember, yeah, and I directed it, I wrote it and um, I had to trim it up. So, and I didn't want to trim it. You know, I didn't want to kill my darlings as they say when you're <laughs> writing a manuscript. Um, but yeah, that it's a, it's a tough decision, but it's like, okay, if you can kill out what, like what, even one word can make a difference. It's like, can I get rid of that? Can I get rid of this? You know, it's really picking and choosing what works for the story, what doesn't, what can you shave off, trim up? And sometimes it's for the better. So, so it was, I mean, it was, a, it was a six minute short to begin and we had to narrow it down to three. three. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, I, and you had I, to now, make it five for my film festival too, right? Brandy? Yep. And yep. So, it was five for yours. The minimum was. Yep. Yeah. Now I still prefer the longer version, but I'm also close to the source material. Um, <laughs> but uh, close producer on it. Um, I don't know. I, you know, as far as for kind of the listeners, I'm always kind of surprised when someone makes like a 45 minute, 50 minute short film. And I'm surprised in the sense it's like if for the fest, for the festival circuit, you're, you're not, you're too long really to be considered. And at the same time, it's almost like why, if if your story can go fifty minutes, can it go another twenty and just qualify for a feature? In that sense, or can you narrow this down into the fifteen minutes? Um, See, it's it's one of the things both. having having run my film festival and having so much respect for you guys. Um, that the one thing that I don't want to do is make exceptions and change things once we've put the call out for films once that submission period starts I know that there are people in the background like we were that we know if we want to be in this film festival per se and I think more filmmakers should do that like we did you know when I was working with this this group this is before mobile film uh, which was to say we're definitely going to want to uh, you know, submit our film to these three film festivals. And we already know what their, you know, what the qualifications are. We want to make sure that we meet that, right? Yeah. Um, and we want to make sure that we're able to do these in different time frames. So the one thing that I don't want to do as a film festival is to throw a wrench into somebody's project and have them, you know, go on Facebook or something and go, Oh my God, the International Mobile Film Festival said it was one to five minutes and now they're saying, yeah, it's okay if you make it six minutes. Well, shoot, I'm already editing it. I could have, I could have included this other thing, you know, mm-hmm. or, or vice versa, right? And so it, it does come down to that too, you know, for a film festival where you have to consider what you guys are going through, you know, because you're creating, it's like saying, you know what, we don't, we don't need the wine in that sauce after all. It's like, oh, my God, I went out and bought that $40 bottle of wine for this, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's tough. I mean, it, it is it, tough. Uh, sorry, is. I, I guess I'll say, like, well, the filmmaker still has a film. I mean, it's, it's like they still, they still have something. They, so they're completely out. No, I think, yeah, I think you certainly want to share your story and share it with everyone. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about the story part. Cause I know you guys are, you know, you and I both see eye to eye on that. And I, and I know we all see eye to eye, to eye on that with a lot of filmmakers. And I know it's kind of a keyword now, uh, but it is, it is really about the story, right? Um, Go ahead. Is the question is filmmaking about the story? Yeah, isn't it really about the story uh, when it comes down to it? Shouldn't that be at the center focus? I think so. I, I think it's a good piece of it. Um, I'm kind of Ryan's, artsy, so Ryan, Ryan's like... kind of going over here, like <laughs> mm, I don't know, but yeah, I it is. I think it, it it's it's what grasps you, right? It's what keeps you watching. If it's a good story, if it's interesting, if it has a hook, if it has you know whatever genre form you know you're trying to entertain with, but um, yeah, I, I, I think so. I think that's the, I, I guess like, I think that's, I mean, 
I mean, here's a couple. I goals. guess what's your <laughs> argument? <laughs> I guess well, yeah. If we're gonna, um, you know, on one hand, it's like does the film because I've seen some avant-garde films and they have zero story, right? I mean, it's 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 all about the visual or okay. it's, and things like that, right? Um, but then I also I ask myself like I love we just recently rewatched Demolition Man and I go like, is it because of the story? <laughs> is that the reason why I like it? Do I? Do I love? No, yeah, love it's like it's the story that I, great, but it's entertaining I, and it's kind of trouble, cliche moments. Story, and, or do I, yeah. do I like? It's, it's still got to have a, a beginning, a middle, you know? and an end, and yeah. so it's the structure. Movie. Yes, but then there's right. other movies like oh, I love No Country for Old Men for the story. Like yes. I, yeah. there's other movies Slow where it's like, I absolutely do get the story. So I think so. I mean, play devil's app here and go like. Well, <laughs> I guess it depends. You know, but then, like Clerks, however, as as they're now coming out with uh, Clerks three, you know, Clerks, Clerks, the original, uh, like, you know, on a visual aspect, um, isn't you know very intriguing. And and if and you know, my apologies, to Kevin Smith, if he ever hears this, but you know, I'm not dogging this film. Obviously, he he's helped us all at this point. But like, I think that you you know, but it was the story though. That and it was his writing and his dialogue that has helped project him further through his movies. Um, even when he, we, I've seen Kevin Smith now three times. Not not like met him, but you know, gone to his gone to his um, to gone to his shows and and um, you know, he'll talk about like kind of like when it was like chasing Amy and the way that he was shooting it and kind of how flat some of the backgrounds were and things like that. But it's because it was the it was the writing and it was the story that really helped push it along. I mean, there's there's so when we say story, a lot of times people are connecting to what you write, you know what I'm saying, um, and how that plays out. But there's a lot of storytelling that's involved with every aspect of the production and the post production. You know, when you're color grading, right? You know the effect of your film as the story can be emphasized not just in the writing but also in how that is perceived by the viewer because one side of the story is how you see your story how you're composing that story and how you're telling that story but what does the person on the other end how do they perceive it uh-huh. because if 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 they perceive a different story than when you have, as long as it has an effect on them, then you're really okay with that. You're not going to go, you know, and bash somebody over the head. You didn't get my story right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, it has a lot to do with that. We, we watch films more than once, right? Uh, when we have uh, different moods, right? And they hit us differently. But there's a, there's a factor in in the story itself that will allow that to happen and play out well that that's my personal belief and i think that that's the magic in in filmmaking that almost anybody you know can enjoy a film i mean <laughs> like like your film right um was a great story um but there were some parts of it that some people may not appreciate you know like the uh the hacking of your uh, personal part. Castration. Your favorite mm. scene, right? But for somebody else, they're like, oh my God, why did that, you know, that may have, but overall, right, the story itself was good. It was captivating and it was something that they could connect to because it could be, you know, we were talking about Star Wars earlier. You know, we're talking about aliens and things that are completely different than our world and yet we still connect to it because of the characters and the and the story is playing out through characters, through emotions and things like that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, feel free to disagree, Ryan. I mean <laughs> <laughs> No, I can see I can see both sides of, 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 of that. So that's certainly what the person on the other end is the viewer, right? Is yeah. It's like, what do they see? They probably, they want to, they're watching a movie to escape something or to connect with something. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, but like Ryan said, yeah, you can record, you know, a, a butterfly just sitting there for 10 minutes. And that is that, are you really trying to tell a story or. It's interesting what you just said that they see something to either connect with it or escape from or escape yeah. it. Because 
in the sense of now you just said the butterfly thing. Um, it's almost like in a movie that if like an avant-garde film, kind of like a museum showcase, kind of a, kind of a, a film, uh, it's almost like we would, pres- we would bring our own story to the table in a sense, kind of like a, um, what's the editing trick that, uh, rushing had figured out where it's like you, you, you take, um, a man looking in one direction and if you, and if you cut to a dog, your emotion is different than when you cut to a woman, the way you think of him. Um, kind of thing. That is, that like, is the like psychology. You, it's almost like you brought your own. So yeah. in a sense of, I mean, absolutely. Um, so in a sense of like, I think it's kind of interesting the way that Brandy just said it. Film can be one of two things. And both of them are great. It's either escapism or you're, or you're going to, or you're going to connect with it. Right. I think it's one or the other. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I agree with Brandy. <laughs> I agree with you too, Ryan. <laughs> um, tell me about audio. Um, the hardest challenge, probably. Get a good audio <laughs> guy or gal, <laughs> if you can. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, in in hindsight, maybe in the days that they invented audio for film, it was probably like a curse and a blessing at the same time because it's it's one of the hardest tricks of the, of the magic show to pull off. Um, and in my film, and we shot it, we didn't shoot it on the soundstage. We shot it in, um, another best friend of mine, uh, Justin Witten, his, we shot it in his house. He's, he's a producer on the film as well. Um, but you don't realize just how, you know, you know, hardwood floors, blank walls, um, you don't realize that that reverb tone, you get, uh, we're shooting and, and suddenly today is the day that everybody wants to mow their lawns and you can just hear it. Um, you, you don't realize like the buzzing noise that your refrigerator makes in the background. It, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's one of the, the many challenges of, um, overall we, um, we had a great, uh, sound guy for our, for our movie, um, who we found through networking actually Brandy found, um, who really brought a lot of experience to the table, also an independent filmmaker. I, um, and it was able to help us out a lot. Just, just having, just having somebody who was just somebody dedicated on, on the sound quality overall of a yeah. film. Yeah. Johnny Griego, he was our, our sound guy. He was fantastic. He had a lot of knowledge and a lot of experience just on what to look for, what to expect, what to plan for. He was, um, you know, he had all the contingencies in place, honestly. Um, brilliant guy. So. Yeah, I would, I would definitely suggest to, you know, not think of audio as a secondary thing. You need a camera to record. Yes. The camera does have a microphone. Yes. But that's not sufficient. Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, for the audio. Um, yeah, go through, go through some testing, uh, you know, do some, do some prep work too, before you shoot, if you can, um, and just get those nuances out the way. If you can, uh, obviously you can't control all the outside noises and disruptions that happen. Again, we're working with low budget, no budget. We don't have these big studio sets that we can control the environment. So you have to kind of plan for those things. Another thing I wanted to bring up is, you know, I mean, you're talking about how many films you guys have worked on, you know, and Ryan 15 years. And so I do want to make a little bit of an announcement here that um, Ryan and and Brandy are going to each be on separate panels for this, uh, the 12th edition of the International Mobile Film Festival. And uh, that is, uh, Ryan is going to be one of the judges for the feature film competition. And Brandy, you're going to be one of the judges for the screenplay competition. So I wanted to thank you both for doing that. That is the toughest job. We are so excited. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. I love, honestly, I'm really excited about um, reviewing the screenplays. Those are my, that's my bread and butter right there. I love reviewing screenplays so I'm really looking forward to it I think that's my my favorite part of filmmaking is is screenplay writing so absolutely delighted 
and and Ryan. Well, if if you're listening to the podcast and you're thinking about um, you know submitting your film, in you know now you know that I I would be one of the judges. Uh, the office is here. We have a very eclectic palette around film. So <laughs> around <laughs> um, as far as I enjoy art films, I enjoy even you know Demolition Man and 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 such. So. Um, you know, I love seeing new and um, challenging things with film, and uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing what what you know what uh, what kind of movies people have put together. Yeah, now on the feature film uh, competition, it's all narrative films, uh, but you know there will be different you know horror and drama and uh, you know we had. Our crime spree, uh, not crime spree. Oh my gosh, uh, the the crime drama from uh, our friends uh, James Smith and Caroline Spence, mm-hmm. whom you met. Yeah. And they are wonderful people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so um, you know there there was different. We had a western <laughs> shot on the iPhone. Um, yeah, so anything goes. Pretty much as long as it's a it's a narrative film, but I can't thank you guys enough for for taking on that job. Um, I I I take that job of selecting the judges. Uh, my God, I work on that all year. <laughs> um, you know because it's a very important and crucial part of it, um, and uh, I stay out of that. So it's going to be in each panel it's it's going to be in their hands and um and so by the way we should let you know let me go ahead and take advantage of this and say that the deadline for the the regular deadline anyways for the feature film competition is october 19th so you still have some time to submit a feature film uh just go to internationalmobilefilmfestival.com you'll see a big button to submit on film freeway there and uh, and do it that way. And it's the same thing for the screenplays. The screenplays are for shorts, and they're about you know six to eight pages on a screenplay. We don't want your one hundred and thirty page screenplay, right, Brandy? Right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Just send us the shorts for now, and I can get to the features later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So, do you guys want to add anything? Um, I guess if, if there's, is the, what's the deadline, Susie, for, for the screenplays? Oh, don't put me on the spot like that. I'll, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll write it down on there. Hold on a second. Let me open up. You know, I, I should mention, uh, to our listeners while I'm doing this, um, that we have a brand new, uh, platform for newsletters and to bring the community, uh, together which is internationalmobilefilmfestival.substack.com. And uh, we've, got, um, we've got a page where all the deadlines and the regular deadlines and the extended deadlines are. And for the short screenplay deadline, it's November 20th. November 20th. Okay. Yeah. So that's the regular um, deadline for that. And for the shorts, uh, it's November 19th. So, you know, uh, we also have a photo, smartphone photo contest. I don't know if you've heard about that, but that one is, you know, telling a story with one, one photo, but you can submit, I believe it's up to six, uh, we'll select one. And that deadline, again, I'm going with the regular deadlines. Uh, they cost less. <laughs> uh, and that's uh, November 21st. So, you know, October, November is um, probably the dates that you want to think about. Yeah, just to add to that, as far as the screenplays go, the screenplay submittals, um, there's still plenty of time. Um, you know, you can write a short a short film, uh, or excuse me, you can type up a, a short screenplay in just a couple pages, one to two pages. I'd love to read it. Send in your ideas, get creative. Um, if you've never written a screenplay before, um, there's a great book out there. It's called The Screenwriter's Workbook by Sid Field. Um, I picked this book up when I was in, gosh, eighth grade. So when was that? 1998. Ryan conveniently happened to pick it up the same year. We didn't even know each other. So we moved in together and we both found this in our moving boxes. I had a copy and he still has his copy. Isn't that funny? 
Um, and it's still one of the greatest books that, um, you know, has the formatting. It gives you tips and tricks on really how to format a screenplay, how to write a, a story act, structure your screenplay, follow that guide. Um, another book I recommend is called Save the Cat. Um, it's the last yes. fun screenwriting that you'll ever need. And that is by Blake Snyder. So you, you know who time. teaches that? By the Blake way, Snyder. it should be six to eight pages, not not one page uh, yeah. for this competition. But you know who who uh, who teaches that is uh, Jennifer Zhang, whom you met. One oh. of the. No, really. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. Oh, how great. Yeah. Yes, she teaches cat. that. That's me. That's awesome. I did not know that. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So. So, all right. So, uh, any shout outs you want to give? I, I know we're never going to forget Jason White. Jason, if you're out there, we'll have to get you in our podcast <laughs> uh, sometime because you've been mentioned in everyone. Uh, he's, got a so new, far. Uh, he's got a new screenplay, a feature film screenplay that he's uh, shopping around. It's, it's already been mm-hmm. uh, picked up by a couple of other film festivals. So, he's he's still hard at work um, in, the, in the writing field. So, that's awesome yeah yeah he's he's doing good things Mm -hmm. so look out for jason white all right all right so here comes the part when we say goodbye to our listeners say goodbye to our listeners guys see you everybody thanks for having us thanks for listening and yeah yeah thanks for listening thanks for um i was gonna say watching but i guess you didn't see that part uh But uh, thanks for listening. Um, you know, you can always check out our film. As we said, Married and Loving It is available on Amazon Prime. Um, you can find me on Instagram at ryan.mcdonald.filmmaker. Um, and uh, feel free to shoot me a message. I'm happy to connect and work with uh, other filmmakers, other actors. And you know, even as a director, I'm also open and looking for films that I did not write to direct. So um, you know, feel free to shoot me a screenplay if you're a writer who uh, isn't interested in directing, let me know.